Good morning. They took every part of the liturgy that involved my Lutheran self out, and I think I still messed something up, so good morning. <laughs> Greetings in the name of the resurrected one, the one who rises despite empires, despite lynchings, suppression, misrepresentation, and now, I believe, stands in absolute divergence to the Christo-fascism we see rising in our nation. Greetings in the name of the one for whom you may paint white, but only a fool would not recognize the outlines of his brown body. <laughs> Greetings in the name of the one for whom, after having a street parade mocking the local government, and his siblings' acquiescence to that same colonial power, a colonial power that many of us believe murdered God. I bring you greetings in the name of the one who rode an ass on his way to rob the state bank on its biggest day of business. <laughs> we call that Palm Sunday, folks. Greetings from the one who sent out 72 and they came back amazed that evil listened to them. I greet you this Juneteenth in the year of our God 2022 in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth who has sent me out like the 72. And it's in his name I hope we can confront, discuss, possibly even dissect and compost a little bit of evil that we face as we celebrate today and we rejoice and we lament. Amen. It's good to be with you this morning, church, and brave too. Very brave of you. I don't say that lightly. We all have news feeds that we turned off about a year and a half ago. <laughs> right? We all have notifications that we figured out new ways to turn off on new devices. And we know that it is a revolutionary act to gather in love in Jesus Christ's name right now. We know when we say one of the bravest things we can do right now is that we will gather, wage peace. We will still gather and say not here. We will say not now. And not ever will we be afraid to open our doors to anyone, to welcome anyone, and to proclaim that anyone's liberation might just be as valid as mine, even if I don't agree with it. Now, that's the, that's the fun part. See, that's what we bring to the table. Because fear will make us do some things. Fear's got you not inviting certain people to Thanksgiving dinner for almost five years running now. Fear's got you afraid to go to the march today. You thought about it. Fear's got you sometimes worried about who's that strange person in the back of the church. I want to welcome them. I really do. And fear will have you doing some things in these times. It's also brave to have a preacher like me with the fact that the Episcopal Church as a denomination has millions, if not billions, in assets that are literally gained from the sweat of my people. Slavery is the parent of capitalism and the owner of the seat, the throne of capitalism, 
the owner of most of the land in lower Manhattan, used by the most powerful people in the world to make all of our lives pretty miserable, is owned by Trinity Wall Street. The church of Alexander Hamilton, where he is buried next to his precious Schuyler sisters. Yeah, Lynn didn't tell you that part, right? <laughs> that like most of that bequest came from like slaves and like settler culture. Look at what the Schuylers were about. Don't just look at Hamilton's name. And Hamilton's one of my heroes. Today I want to talk to you about six months. What can happen in six months? How freedom can live or die for nations in that period. I want to talk to you about the cost of casting out demons. I want to talk to you about swine herds we find at all our doors. No matter where you fall on your political, political disposition, we are not talking about that today. Thanks be to God. <laughs> I want to remind you that we may face a legion in this nation, a host of problems, but we are children of the Most High. Can I get an amen? amen? We are one of the greatest works of art the Creator has ever taken the time to speak through, and even at times like this, even at times when some of my words make you want to, maybe some of you shake or throw up inside, I still believe in you. I still believe in you. After everything, I still believe in each and every one of you, your capacity to be so much more, our capacity to be so much more. Today's sermon title is long. If we're just getting to the title, buckle up. Uh, but it's uh, from watch night to Juneteenth. The slow pace of liberation in this land doesn't mean it isn't coming right for us all. Or, you can only keep the truth about human freedom and liberty and dignity hidden for so long. Or, we march on. Juneteenth is a federal holiday now. That's pretty weird. I mean, that's one response to what was happening on 2020. I'm sure as folks who are in the downtown area who have a faith community and live here, you probably were asking for some different ones, right? But what we commemorate is the announcement of General Order Number 3 by the Union Army General Gordon Granger on June 19, 1865, proclaiming freedom for the enslaved people in Texas, in Galveston, Texas. That's right. Many of your Episcopal churches have invited me throughout my time to watch night on New Year's Day. Thank you so much, by the way, elders. I enjoy spending New Year's Eve with you. Definitely what I want to do. <laughs> and... Um, it's when you sit, I was kidding, it's not what I want to do, I'm still young. <laughs> Sorry, I love them. But I always go because we wait from the hours of 11.30 to midnight when the orders of one President Lincoln, whom we put our faith in. And let me be more specific about my family, whom Thomas Duncan, my first ancestor, who was enslaved for six years and escaped, and join the Poughkeepsie Union Army. The promise that was made to Thomas's face that day, who loved to tell the story how President Lincoln came and told them that they would be free. That's my first ancestor here. 
And they wait till midnight. And they usher that moment in. To this day, churches all across the country, that's how they spend their New Year's Eve night. Thanking God. Thanking God for a promise that most of us, most of us see is not exactly living up to itself lately. From watch night to Juneteenth, the slow pace of liberation in this land doesn't mean it isn't coming right for us all. And you can only keep the truth about human freedom and liberty and dignity hidden for so long. Six months, the state of Texas would have kept them folks indefinitely, but they got six months, 19 days. Six months for freedom to ring. Six months for the hollow promise to reach the shores of Galveston, Texas. And you may be saying to yourself, what does this have to do with me here in Oregon or the demoniacs? Well, church, I'm so glad you asked. I want to read to you something from the 75th the 75th General Convention of the Episcopal Church. This is an Episcopal Church. Let me look around. Oh, yeah. Yep. There's a whole bunch of them up there. This is an Episcopal Church. All right. So resolved. The House of Deputies concurring that the 75th General Convention of the Episcopal Church declare unequivocally that the institution of slavery in the United States and anywhere else in the world, based as it is on ownership of some persons by other persons, was and is a sin and a fundamental betrayal of humanity of all persons who were involved. A sin that continues to plague our common life in the church and our culture. And be it further resolved that the Episcopal Church acknowledge its history of participation in this sin and the deep and lasting injury which the institution of slavery and its aftermath have inflicted on society and on the church. And be it further resolved, this is why none of us go to these things, <laughs> that we express our most profound regret that the Episcopal Church lent the institution of slavery its support and its justification based on scripture. And after slavery was formally abolished, the Episcopal Church continued for at least a century to support de jure and de facto segregation and discrimination. And be it further resolved that the Episcopal Church apologized for its complicity in the injury done by the institution of slavery and its aftermath. And then they cut out half of it, but I like the first part. We repent of the sin and ask God's grace and forgiveness, be it further resolved. And this is what they get rid of. They were going to ask your presiding bishop to call for a day of repentance and reconciliation so you could remember it forever. So you could constantly think about this. This is 2008. I'm sorry, this is not the woke mob. This happened in 2008. And you're, have, you, have you met the Episcopal Church? That means there was a memo in 82 about it that they transferred to an email that someone lost, that someone else remembered and brought back up in the 90s. We move slow because we hold an 1,800-year-old apostolic legacy.
Well, why would they do this? Well, one of your historians actually talks about it, Brooks Graber, in the Anglican and Episcopal History, March 2009, volume eight, number one, pages 85 through 93 explains why. The Episcopal Church in North Carolina before the Civil War was populated both with slaveholders and with slaves. He's talking about his own parish. This is one of your priests who's a scholar. Yell at him. I'll give you his email. With slaves true in my parish. St. Matthew's, Hillsburg, the two leading rectors of St. Matthew's, William Mercer Green and Moses Ashley Curtis, are themselves slaveholders. Moreover, the single largest slaveholder on the eve of the Civil War was Mr. Paul Cameron, owner of several plantations, including Burnside, which was the estate which St. Matthew's property was carved out of. In fact, in 1864, the largest Episcopal church in the number one depot for slavery ever seen, and the, I would say, probably where more souls went through in the largest crime against humanity ever committed. I mean, we often talk about the Holocaust. Think about in an internment camp where the goal is to keep you alive and make more children so they suffer too. It's the opposite. And it never stops. Out of those 500 members, 164 of them were property of the other members of that church. And where are we today? While we sit here at the seat of your bishop, good election by the way, we watch these sort of things in the Lutheran church, good job. <laughs> and why does Oregon exist? Well, we know why Oregon exists, because in 1866, faced with this new world, faced with the possibility of, what, it was 30 black senators at this point in different state houses. Some of them were U.S. senators. Some of them had a shot of becoming the president of the United States. Well, folks decide, enough of that. We're going to make our own place. That's Oregon. That's where you live. And what happens is the consequences start to legitimize Jim Crow for the South 30 years later. State constitutions tend to do that, team. From watch night to Juneteenth, the slow pace of liberation in this land doesn't mean it isn't coming right for us all. That's not going to heal us all. You can only keep the truth about human freedom, liberty, and dignity hidden for so long, and so we march on. What have you to do with me, you might be asking? And from our verse, even Jesus gets this accusation. What does this have to do with me, Jesus, son of the most? I beg you, do not torment me. For Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many times it had seized him. He was kept unguard and bound with chains and shackles, and he would not break the bonds and be driven by demons into the wild. He would go and break the bonds and go out to the wilds. Then Jesus... That Jesus then asked him, what is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. They begged him not to order them to go back into the abyss. And I know there's someone sitting here. Why do they always bring up this stuff? Why well, I got to hear about this? I came here for a nice Sunday. It's the middle of June. Where are we going to talk about some gay stuff? I'm queer too. It's all right. I'm trans. You're getting it all. It's going to be all right. 
Some of you are sitting here and saying, what would you have of me, child, of those we denied kinship with the Most High? Because that's what demons do when they scream. And you need to get that demon out of you. You need to get that feeling out of you. That uncomfortability, that feeling like, I don't want to talk about this. Let me tell you something. Your uncomfortability is nowhere near the pain of any black person almost every day in this city. You can do 10 minutes. From watching at the Juneteenth, the slow pace of liberation in this land doesn't mean it isn't coming right for us all, even for you. White supremacy is a cage that is gilded. It is relaxing. It is opulent. There is no reason for you to examine its bars, and it's no reason for you to walk outside of it. There is none. So if you think there's nothing to examine, ask yourself why. When millions say, please believe us, that's it. Just believe our stories. Don't put us in charge. Don't give us all your money. Just believe us. Believe Letha, who walks out here for her son, Patrick Timmons, past this church all the time we walk past here. And maybe it's our reading from Isaiah that we get an answer. I think it's interesting. It's almost if they stopped Patrick Kimmons' mom, Letha, as she came past here. It's almost if they asked, you know, the, 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 the authors of Isaiah who capture the prophet's words. It's almost as if they asked the secret heart of Samira Rice about her baby, Tamir. Well, the prophet Isaiah asked Kevin Peterson in this moment, And they answered back, I said, here I am, here I am to a nation that did not call on my name. I held out my hands all day long to a rebellious people to walk in a way that is not good, following their own devices. The people who provoke me to my face continually, sacrificing in gardens, offering incense on bricks, who sit inside tombs, spend the night in secret places who eat swine's flesh, who broth of the abominable things in their vessels, who say, keep to yourself, don't come near me, for I am too holy for you. They are smoke in my nostrils, a fire that burns all day long. See, it is written before me, I will not keep silence, but I will repay. I will indeed repay into their laps their iniquities and their ancestors' iniquities. Together, say the Lord, because they offered incense on the mountains and reviled me on the hills. I will measure into their laps full payment for their actions. That doesn't mean that the full payment for our actions is this. The full cost of our actions is this. There is an opportunity right now in mainline Christianity writ large to be one of the last places where people of goodwill who disagree with each other can sit and start to figure it out. Because what is rising up against us has better ground game. They are better sourced. They are giving money. And they aren't half as apathetic as we are. 
And if it isn't going to be the pride march today, they'll find another reason. Like my friend June T-Rex in Normandale Park. That man was de-escalated four times. You think anyone started fighting with him? And if you don't know, June was a 60-year-old white woman who came from her chemotherapy to march with Letha every week. This wasn't a 20-year-old kid running around burning down your business. I'm sorry it happened. Truly. This is what's happening in your town, in your parish, where you love, where you care for people. And this church's reputation precedes it. I was told when I got here to have a more relaxing call in March of 2020. Let's not laugh. That's why I came here. I came here to relax. Um, and uh, the world fell apart. But I was told you should come and you should meet the folks down at the Episcopal Cathedral that they're doing the work long term, that people know who they are in the community, that people still show up to hear a good word and get the sacraments, that they put their money and their actions where their mouths and their gospels. That way before anyone would let anyone queer have communion, y'all was doing it. That way before anyone would honor a queer person's ministry, y'all was doing it. Y'all know what it's like to fight for people whose lives are on the very edges. You are much more prepared than others. If it's not going to be Roe, it'll be Brown versus the Board of Education. But we're living in a time where people want to remove the rights of others from our Constitution, unparalleled in our history. For we know what evil does, though, when it's faced with us. And this is your little, well, the whole bit of hope. Because a little bit of hope goes a long way. I think we often forget, and I just want to close with this, that everything we know about Jesus Christ is from a group of people who experienced the most traumatic few years of their life. They recount the story of watching their best friend, the person they love, their brother, their, their, their teacher, their everything be murdered by law enforcement in front of the entire town and no one did a thing. They're coming from the same place we are right now after these last few years. And so I know we're up to it, for I know what evil does when faced with heaven, when faced with love, when faced with resistance. It may shatter into a thousand pieces. It may rage, it may roil, it may go to the Twin Cities, it may go to Buffalo, it may go to Texas, or it may even come here someday to disrupt whatever or a hundred other things, but we know what it does when it's faced with the light of God. Now there on the hillside, a large herd of swine was feeding, and the demons begged Jesus, they will beg you to let them enter these. And so Jesus gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. I believe in the power we call God. And I believe that this power comes down to a few simple things. 
What we call God, what we identify in the personhood, story, ministry, and actions of Jesus Christ can be boiled down to this phrase, I believe. God steps into, interrupts, and heals human history for the express purpose of salvation. That is experienced by peoples, communities, cultures, and faiths around the world as collective liberation. It is the screams of the Israelites as they left Egypt. It is the relief of returning home after the first and second exile. May the waters of our baptism drown this time of discontent between us. May you take the time to really learn about the people of Galveston, Texas, who were there that day, the history of this day. That you don't allow it to be turned into a mockery of itself like they did with MLK Day, where people take a few of his words and erase his entire revolutionary history. A day that they fought all the way until 1984. Where we'll be in six months from now, I don't know. A lot can happen in six months. That's the whole point of this sermon. But I do know this. We are told that freedom has come for us and that we are all siblings. We are told that God loves us so incredibly much that God gave God's own self. We are told a lot. And we have an incredible story, an incredible community. We have the power of the sacraments. And we have 1,800 years of apostolic history. We know what it's like to see empires rise and fall. We're the church. I wish you well on this Juneteenth. I hope you uh, spend some time hanging out with some folks, having some fun. I hope to see some of you at Pride. And um, thank you for having me. Amen.